0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. And every time Jesus did a miracle, it provoked a crisis in the religious leaders. There are people today that are very religious. And anytime God does something that may seem out of the norm, it provokes a crisis. Oh, there are some people who are adamant I mean, they are influential in the body of Christ. You would know their name. Some of them you would. Some of them you wouldn't. And if a woman stands up and preaches, they call it blasphemy because women aren't allowed to lead according to them. Huh. And some people who come to Christ and say, I've given my life to the Lord, people are skeptical like Kanye West. People think, oh, for sure it's a publicity stunt after all. He's connected to the greatest publicity machine of all time, called the Kardashians. They know how to market. It's true. Kanye, who was interviewed this past week, says, I will now declare that Jesus Christ is the King, and I will use all my influence to tell people of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's the only one who can save sinners and give you eternal life. And oh, there's church leaders writing up, we don't believe it. I would rather say, isn't that what we want? <laughs> oh, yeah, but you watch, Pastor Oh Kanye, you know, because I know everything there is to know. Listen, here's what I know. If Jesus Christ could save a Jewish boy from Burbank <laughs> and even give me the awesome privilege of speaking to you today, I know that God can do anything. Let us not be skeptics when Jesus does miracles, but let us embrace all that Christ can do. We're going to John chapter 11 today. And in verse 1, we have the story of Lazarus. The man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters. Who? Mary and Martha. I'm sorry, there's a verse up there somewhere. She'll catch up with me. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet. Do you remember that? Mary took perfume. It was a year's wages. I don't know if I would give up a year's wages to pour out something for Jesus, but she did. And she wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, and so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You ever have a request of the Lord, and it seems like he lingers? Actually, when we read ahead, we'll find out that, Jesus, that uh, Lazarus has been dead now four days. And according to rabbinic law, the spirit of somebody's body hovered for three days. So there was no chance of resuscitation on the fourth day. By then, the spirit would have either gone to heaven or gone to hell. You, you had three days, 72 hours. Now, there's two reasons. I, I studied this uh, in some historical documents That back in that day, they didn't have the machinery we have today. And it's possible you could miss someone's faint heartbeat by just touching the carotid artery or on their wrist for a pulse. You, You could miss it. So the doctors of the day said, hey, rather than being wrong and signing a death certificate, we'll wait three days to make sure. But on the fourth day, both through the doctors and through the spiritual leaders, the rabbinic leaders of the day, we know by the fourth day, they will be totally, totally dead and gone. Lazarus is sick. You got it? He's sick. Now, we know because we read ahead, he's going to be dead. But it could read this way. A tragedy has hit a parent. Their child has died. A dear man has cancer and is fading away by the minute. A shooting in Texas at a homecoming. Where early this morning, and it may have changed, two were dead, 14 were injured. It could be, and I've changed his name, a man named Robert, who at 59 years of age has just lost his job. Last week, they told him in his performance review, he was doing marvelous work. This last week, his company says, we're going a different direction. You're no longer needed. True story. Linda, I've changed her name too, is praying over her daughter who's been addicted to drugs. And every three to four months, she says, Mama, I'm going to get clean now. That's been going on for 11 years. Oh, his name is Brandon. He is confused. Her name is Rita. She is lonely. His name is Eric. I've changed his name too. He's in need of wisdom. Does he stay in his current job or does he change employers? He wants God to to help him and, and to guide him. His name is John. He's a junior in high school. People keep asking him, what are you going to do in your future? And John says, I don't know. Am I supposed to know? I'm not even 18 yet. Am I supposed to know what I'm going to give the rest of my life to? His counselor says, start thinking about it, John. He feels pressure. He doesn't know. But here's what we know. We have a miracle worker named Jesus who turned water into wine, who told the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, pick up your mat and walk, who fed 5,000 plus people with a little boy's lunch, who spit in the dirt made a mud pack, and all of a sudden a blind man could see. This is the miracle working Jesus. And I don't care what anyone else has to say. I'm going to say this loudly. He still does miracles today. Amen. He still saves people. He still redeems people. He still does miracles today. In John 11:3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. If you're a note taker, just write this down. We have the problem and we have the promise. We have the problem, and we have the promise. And can I tell you, for every problem you have, there is a promise in the B-I-B-L-E. There's a promise. The sisters framed the problem beautifully. (laughs) Lazarus, the one you love, they add that, is sick. They left it with Jesus. They left it at his heart. They approach it from this angle. You know him, Jesus. He's your friend. You love him. This is a desperate situation. If I was journaling this in my, in my uh, daily devotions, I would write the crisis and the Christ, the dilemma and the divine, <laughs> the desperate and the divine, the hopeless and the one of hope. What I have learned is that we can all have cemeteries in our life, not just the cemetery up C Street and to the left. But what happens in a cemetery place, whether it's something in your heart or something in a literal cemetery, is something is laid down. Something is laid down. Lazarus is sick, and Jesus has delayed his coming. Do you know that Jesus is only about two hours away He's only about two hours away. He, he could walk there. He doesn't need to wait two days. But there's something of God's purpose here that in the death and resurrection of Lazarus, the glory of God is revealed. John eleven thirty four. 34, Jesus comes and says, where have you laid him? Like Jesus doesn't know where he is. He's God. I don't think he's asking where because he doesn't know how to find Lazarus. I think he's asking where because he wants them to think about what they did with him. If you knew Jesus was coming, if you knew Jesus had the power to resurrect something that has died in your life, would you put it in a tomb? No, you, you would have had Lazarus maybe on a bed. He's going to stinketh in the tomb, or he's going to stink it. That's King James, by the way. He's going to stink it in, in bed. I would have put him there with his favorite magazine, with his favorite sport channel on. Doing what? With some soup right by his bed? Doing what? Waiting for Jesus to come and resurrect him from the dead. Oh, ye of little faith, Mary and Martha. Where have you laid him? You ever laid down your dreams? You ever laid down any projects that are uncompleted? I have a friend who was going to restore a 65 Mustang woo, to pristine condition. He bought it in 1970. He hasn't touched it since. It's in the garage under a cover. Yeah. I told him he could give it to me. I'd find some friends. We'd fix it up, sell it, and give the money to missions. He don't want to hear any of that. You have any projects in your life that somehow have died? You, you have any hopes and dreams that have died because of situations and circumstances? How about this one? Let me get vulnerable with you for a moment. You're going to be the vulnerable party, not me. <laughs> you have any people who've spoken words of death to you, who told you, you can't do it, it won't amount. You won't amount to anything. You have any friends who invite all the friends together, but never invite you? Come on. Does't it feel good? Uh, you, you went out to the restaurant and you saw all your friends sitting in a booth in the corner. Oh, how come you didn't invite me? <laughs> or you ever have anybody just, just constantly just wear you down by speaking negative words? See, in this tongue, the Bible says, we have the power of life and death. That's why when we speak l'chaim to each other, Words of life, life to you, peace to you, grace to you, mercy to you. Those are blessings that God allows us to bestow on one another. It's not just something we do in church. We pass the peace. No, we share the peace of Christ with everyone all the time. That's our call. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end, verse 4, in death. No, it's for the glory of God. I'm sure that Lazarus was even asking, as the fever overtook his body, as the illness began to cause his body to get weak, and hey, where's my friend Jesus? Ever been in a state where you said, God, would you just show up? Would you just heal me? Would you heal my friends? Would you? Well, the second thing that we see is, is the complaint and the contrasting confession. <laughs> in verse 17, it says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, you guys know about death when people die, usually four days. We would have embalmed them by now or had them cremated by now. For sure, four days after the passing, we would be thinking about some kind of a service, a graveside, a, a family only, some kind of thing that we were going to do to somehow memorialize those who have passed away for four days. Four days he's in the tomb and he stinks. I, I I'm just I'm gonna go for it. Is there anything inside of your life, inside your soul, that starts to stink? You know, hurt people, hurt people, right? Any, <clears throat> any hurt in your soul that just comes out all the time? I always think of that little garlic press. Put the little clove of garlic in and you squeeze it. And all the essence of the garlic comes out. You know, if you press on somebody enough, whatever's inside of them will come out of them. What comes out of you when someone presses hard on you, when someone pressures you, when somebody leans on your button, not presses your button, but the, you have any friends that lean on your button? Their whole elbow, they put it on, they just lean on your button. They just press against you. What comes out of you in that moment? I wonder if Jesus wouldn't want us to understand that he doesn't just resurrect the dead, though he can, but he can resurrect things in us that have died. Words that people have spoken against us, things that people have done against us. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered in verse 23 to 26, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, she has faith for the future, but not faith for now. Catch that. I I know someday when I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus and everything will be good then, but right now my life stinketh. I know people like that. Spirit-filled Christians. They know that someday they're going to be with the Lord, but right now they're going to choose the negative path, the discouraged path, the depressive path, and they're just going to get caught up in all the negative stuff. I'm going to Confess something to you because you're the 915ers. You can handle this, right? Can you handle it? I told somebody this week, I didn't say the S word, shut up, but I said, knock it off. Because somebody was just going into their groove, man. It was the whiny, whine, whine, whine. Now, I'm a good whiner too, by the way. I confess my sin. I'm a good whiner. But they were just whining. And I leaned in and I said, hi. Knock it off. oh, it felt so good. Why? Because I gave them a piece of my mind. No, because I'm trying to help them. Every time I encounter this particular person, they always want to whine, 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 whine. And I said this, oh, I know people who would trade your crisis in a heartbeat for their life. Come on. I told a woman one time who was complaining about her husband. I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do husband swap. I got three guys I'll send you for the weekend, and within three hours, you're going to be crawling back to your man. Come on, guy. You should be saying that later. Pastor's talking about me. Come on. Not in the bad way, the good side. Come on. Yeah. I know some kids who complain about their parents. I could send them to a weekend at some parent's house. They would come crawling back, worshiping the ground of mommy and daddy. I promise you. Yes, Lord, she replied, verse 27, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. That's not what Jesus was asking her. I don't need you to say who I am. I don't need you to talk about the future, what I will do. I'm talking about today. But see, in the cemetery places, we don't only really lay something down. Something is left behind. There's a loss of of faith. There's a loss of hope. The cemetery always speaks about something left, memories that only linger, a headstone, a marble stone, an engraved spot, or maybe the ashes have been spread somewhere. It's photo albums. It's videos. it's, It's reminiscing. But I hear Martha's faith. She offers a tribute. Lord, I know you're from God, but not once does she say, I know you can resurrect my brother. I know some of you who worship the Lord. He's a great God. He just can't fix me. He could do anything, but he can't heal our marriage. He could do anything, but he can't get me through this season of, of my life. He can do anything for everyone else, but not for me. Hey, can I just jar you a little bit to say, start believing and hoping that God can do a miracle in your heart, in your mind, in your life. And maybe you need to tell some people, knock it off. I gave you permission. Take it if you want it. Hey, the consternation, compassion, and command of Jesus. I worked hard for three C's right there, okay? John 11, 33 to 35, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, right, they're grieving, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus, and then Jesus. Wept. By the way, he didn't weep till he got mad. What was he mad at? He was mad at Martha? No. He was mad at Mary? No. You think he was mad at the grieving people? I think Jesus was mad because of death. The Bible says, actually, that he was deeply troubled. The, the, The Greek word means to snort like a horse, implying anger and indignation. Jesus was angry at death, and not just the death of his friend Lazarus. Can, can I say this to you? I think that Jesus weeps over any time we lose a loved one. No, he just wept over. No, he didn't just weep over Lazarus. He weeps over any time we lose someone. Why? Because Jesus is upset about death itself, all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you will. you will, you will die. Jesus is mad about the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. He's upset about death. By the way, if you've lost a loved one, you weren't the only one weeping. There are people in this church that have lost their children. There are people in this church that have lost their spouse. There are people in this church that lost uh, their, their brother or sister or their parents. And here's what I know. Jesus was weeping with you. Because when God created humankind, he did not create us to die. Interesting. He created us to live. And when man sinned, death entered into the garden for humankind. And this whole scene around Lazarus is all about death and dying But Jesus is weeping and Jesus is angry because he knows that in the cemetery place, something is lost permanently. It speaks of permanent loss. There's a passage, you can write this down, Mark 5, where where Jesus is on his way to the resurrection party of Jairus' daughter. Some of you remember this story? And the devil stood between Jesus and the resurrection. Maybe you've gone through a time of, of, of something dying inside of your life, you, you know what I know? I think the devil hangs out around those tombstones of the cemetery of our soul where he waits for us to be so discouraged that he can pounce on us and, 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 and just come against us and, and bring all kinds of, of evil against us. But our hope and our faith and our life is found in Jesus. And so John 11, 38 to 42, he once more deeply moved And he came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. But but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time he has a bad odor because he's been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God by the way, if you have faith in the middle of difficult seasons in your life, you will see his glory. And so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I'm amplifying my voice now for the benefit of those standing here that they would believe that you sent me. Jesus is fully capable of a miracle without Martha's faith, without Mary's faith, without anyone's faith. But John 11 43 and 44 say these words. Then Jesus shouted, come on, help me out. Okay, now that's reading. Let's let's shout it together. Lazarus, come out. All right, let's say it again. Lazarus, come out. You're going to think I'm weird. I don't care. I, I know you already think that. What if we could open up our soul and speak to whatever has died in us and just say, come out. history, come out. <laughs> Bad attitudes, come out. Words that have been spoken against us, come out. Lost dreams, come out. Prophecies over our life, come out. Pain and hurt, come out. And we can just say to ourselves, you know what? I, I'm going to move forward in the life of Christ. I, I'm going I'm to come out. And notice what happened. He comes out and, and he's doing the bunny hop, right? Because he's wrapped up. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and, and let him go. Can, can I remind you, especially if you've been a Christian more than five years, uh, when people come to Christ, they're still wrapped up. Give them a little slack, will you? Give them a little grace, will you? Now, you're still using profanity. I see you're still smoking. You should have given it up. If the Lord wanted you to smoke, he would have put a chimney on your head. <laughs> Come on. It takes a while. We call it redemptive lift. When you come out of your life and you come to Christ, it takes a while. By the way, can I also tell you this? If you've been saved 50 years, God's still unwrapping you. There's still stuff he's doing with you. And guess where the wrappings go? Now, I don't have a proof text for this. It's just Bernie talking to you, right? I think all those wrappings go right to hell and the devil holds on to them. And so when you screw up, he throws them back at you. See? He didn't conquer that. He tries to take the the grave clothes and put it back on us. That's all he knows to do. He's all about death. He's all about hell. He's all about accusing the brethren and the sister. He's all about uh, trying to bring death to the life that Jesus brought us. And so if you're not careful, as you prounce around the cemetery of your soul, he'll jump out of a tombstone, and try to put some grave clothes back on you. And he'll try to cover your head, your face wrapped with headcloth, so you can't see anymore. You can't believe anymore. Here's what I say. It's our responsibility to help each other take off the grave clothes and unwrap people and to speak words of life and health and healing and wholeness. See, Jesus, the resurrection and the life spoke words of life to death, and he still does that today. Whatever has grown hopeless in you, knock it off (laughs) and start letting let hope come into your life again. Lazarus heard the command. Now, I don't know if Lazarus wanted to come back. Remember, four days, rabbinical law said, the soul was gone. Maybe, maybe uh, Lazarus was up there drinking a latte with Moses. Maybe he didn't want to come back. But he does. He surrenders to the command of Jesus. Now, lest you think I'm not a person familiar with death, I, I want to tell you I've seen enough death in my life more than I care to. Uh, I'm not going to go through my whole long story. It's a long story. We don't have time for that, but I faced my first real loss when I was 14, when my 18-year-old brother died two months before graduation his senior year. They had a chair there at his graduation. His cap and gown was there. His name was read. I stood by the fence. I couldn't go in. That's my first time. Then my best friend, just a few years after high school graduation, he died in an auto accident. The best man at my wedding, a former CHP officer, a former CHP commander, drank himself to death. A few years ago, my, my, uh, my dear friend, another friend had passed away a, uh, a year ago, my uh, Mom passed away a few months ago. My father passed away. I have dealt with infants who have died, cancer patients, military people in the line of duty, police officers and firemen, car accidents and suicide as a pastor and a chaplain. My first funeral, I was 22 years old. A four-year-old and a six-year-old walking across the street on their way home. Mama was standing there calling them across the street and didn't see a car coming at a high rate of speed. Killed both of them on impact. NBC, Los Angeles, CBS, Los Angeles brought their cameras to our church. I was 22. I didn't know how to handle the media. They were everywhere. LA Times reporters. And I know enough about cameras. When the red light is on, that means they're recording. When it goes off, they're not. And I said, tomorrow at school, There'll be two empty desks. Those kids, the four-year-old in preschool, the six-year-old in first grade, they will not be in class anymore. All oh, the red lights were flashing. I said, but folks, we have hope. We have a Savior named Jesus Christ who took these little boys. The cameras went off. Let the kids come to me, I said. He wrapped them in his arms. And I said, in the midst of this tragedy, the lights came back on. I got hate mail from people who said, Pastor, this was your time to preach the gospel. We watched the news clips. Not once did you mention the the eternal life in Christ. I I wrote back, Yes, I did. They just didn't put it on the air. I was a young 22 year old pastor, and I was already crucified in the era of, before the internet, in the era of popular opinion. Isn't that great? Church of 50 people. I'm 22. But I knew something then. As we gathered that family, the first thing I knew was this that Jesus Christ has the power over death, hell, and the grave. He owns the king, the keys to heaven. And those little boys, I know where they are. They're with Jesus even now. Hey, that's a good, that's good news. But when we lose loved ones, I can tell you, I've been with spirit filled Christians who somehow forgot what we're supposed to believe. That Jesus Christ can handle it all. He can. Listen, if I never have to do another funeral, I'll be happy. I doubt that will be my wish. I'll get my wish. I've done funerals for people and I just said, oh God, I sure hope they had faith. Nobody could see any faith. No one had any fruit of faith, but we could sure like to believe that they had faith. Listen, I hope and pray that all of you know who Jesus Christ is. So when your day comes, no one has to wonder or worry. What a gift we give to people. And by the way, Mary and Martha had no worry at all because Jesus was there now. So we need to be open to a miracle and the way that we see death. It needs to be changed in our lives, in our hearts. I just want to tell you something. You may not know this. I did a lot of work on this, and I have to get this in. I know my time is almost done, but I have to get this in. I did a lot of research. I'm going to read some names here. And if I don't read a name that you you recognize, I apologize. Bill Gates. Warren Buffett. Sean Puffy P. Daddy Combs. Mark Zuckerberg. Jeff Bezos. Lady Gaga. Beyonce. Dustin Johnson. Oprah Winfrey. Katy Perry. Blake Shelton. Elon Musk. Gwen Stefani. Demi Lovato, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Stephen Stomkos, Sidney Crosby, Alexandra Daddario, Taylor Swift, Tom Holland. Hope some of those names you recognize. Here's what I know. We all have one thing in common with all of them. We're all going to die. I worked hard on that. (laughs) Death is to be respected. But not to be feared. It is an inevitable exit. And God has talked about it since the beginning of time. That's why 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will will rise first. And somebody said, but pastor, my grandpa was cremated. His ashes were thrown all over the ocean. How's the Lord going to bring him back? (laughs) You think God has a problem bringing back the molecules of someone who's died? He doesn't need Ancestry.com. He (laughs) could pull it all back and cause them to rise with him. And the soul of the departed will meet up with the body of the departed. (laughs) in the presence of God in the air, oh man, it's going to be pretty cool. It's better than anything Hollywood can produce in a two-hour movie with popcorn with fake butter. Jesus, the resurrection and the life spoke words of life to death, and he still does today. And after that, we who are still alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with him. So we will be with the Lord. Forever. Forever. You're gonna be dead a lot longer than you're gonna be alive. I worked hard on that one too. We're gonna see the Lord someday if you know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, oh man, well, I can deal with the afterlife by myself. You can't, you won't be alive. You'll have no strength, no power. How many times I've been with people near the end of their life in hospice care? Morphine's pumped into them. They're just existing. Yeah, a lot you can do then, folks. Let me just tell you. Let me cut to the chase. When they're in their 80s and 90s and they're sitting there and you know, and drool's coming out of their mouth, sorry. Well, I'll take care of it myself. You can't take care of it yourself. That's why you have to trust the one who has the keys to heaven. That's why you give your life to Jesus. I mean, well, I don't need that. Okay, hope it works for you. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord and we're going to party in heaven, man. It's going to be so great. I'm going to be eating at the, the marriage supper of the lamb. It's calorie free. It's fat free. And it don't matter if it's a lot of fat because by then it don't matter anyway. There's no labs in heaven, no blood lab. Hallelujah. <laughs> and by the way, I checked. I called this morning. you guys have any scales up there? Scales? No. Hey, hey Lord, do you, do you have a clock up there? No. So guess, this side of heaven, we can't ever say you're late, right? Late, what's that? Late denotes time. We have no clock. Therefore, we don't understand what the word late means. But Lord, I need it by Friday at five. When's Friday? Lord, you mean you don't? No, I do things my way. My way is not your way. My thought's not your thoughts. You just got to trust me. (laughs) Well, how do you end the message like this? You just tell people you better be Ready? make sure you know Christ as Savior. Make sure you believe in him. Make sure you live for him. Don't you dare wait another moment. Give him your life. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord. He died on a cross. Rose. Again. Listen, listen. This is why Paul the apostle says, if you want to get saved, believe he died on a cross and he rose again from the dead and you shall be saved. Believe that. Stand on that. Embrace that. And then let me go back to the cemetery of your soul. Start letting the life of Jesus come in. Somebody goes, ooh! he pumped me up today for five minutes. No, 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 no. Go live this way. Tell yourself to knock it off. Speak life to the things that are dead. Speak hope to the things that are hopeless. And the last thing I want to read is this before we pray. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, oh, death, where is your victory? Man, I've read this at the grass up on C Street before. But the grave is open the casket is there about to go in the ground and people are crying and weeping. And I say in the middle of that, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. That's why Jesus was angry at Lazarus's tomb. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us he gives over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Hey, someday I'm going to go to heaven. I hope not today. Well, <laughs> I hope not. I got a few more things to do, I think. But when I get there, I'm going to see my brother and my sister and my mom and my dad. <laughs> I'm going to see my, my uncle and aunt. I'm going to see my friend Greg, best man at my med- wedding. He was saved, but he had an alcohol problem, drank himself to death. I'm going to see those two little boys, four and six years of age. All I remember is Martinez was their last name, a long time ago, but they've been rejoicing in the presence of the victory of God forever. What can Jesus bring life to in you? Where can he do things in you that you've allowed to die, things that have been lost, things that have been laid down, things that you say, I could never, ever get that back? Well, I beg to differ. Because the Lord knows how to resurrect that which is dying in us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.